This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, good morning, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for being here. We want to welcome all of you uh, to our service this morning, especially those of you that may be watching uh, via the internet. We're also glad that you can join us here today. Praise God. This morning, we're going to be having communion as a typical thing. We always do it the first Sunday in the month. And um, so this is it, I guess. And uh, we're going to have a great time in that. Praise God. You know, we were singing those songs this morning. I just thought about that in the context of, of communion. And uh, everything that we have, everything that we possess, everything that we are is because of Jesus. He was willing to give his life as a ransom for all of us. And uh, he did it so that we could live. You know, the Bible says that we once were alienated from the life of God and that we were without hope in this world. You know, I hate to be living in this world without hope in Christ. Amen. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of folk. That's exactly where they're at. But thank God for the church. You know, Jesus referred to her as both salt and light. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. And, you know, if it weren't for the church, this place would be in a sad, sad way. But thank God here we are, and we have the privilege of being able to impact the lives of people. And the way that happens is is by us giving witness to his resurrection power in our lives. Amen. To live out our lives in a way. You know, the Bible makes reference to the fact that you and I are to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, to be like Jesus, to represent him. I remember years ago, we, uh, um, one of Joan's sisters was being married, and um, we were in Bible school, and um, she had a, a friend that was a quadriplegic, and, uh, but she was going to attend uh, m- my wife's sister's wedding. And so we were on our way from Tulsa. She lived in Missouri. We were going to pick her up, bring her up, and we did that. And her grandmother was going to come with her to uh, uh, take care of her. And um, um, so what we had to do is go to Missouri, jump in their van because it was equipped, you know, to to help uh, carry her and things. And then we drove it up here. And <coughs> this uh, van was a little worse for wear by the time we got here. One of the uh, uh, brake drums and the brake itself and things on the front was uh, ruined and destroyed. So we went to a uh, junkyard, I think it was, and we went and got a new drum, and then we bought some new brakes, and we put them on them and different things of that nature, and uh, we just did everything that we could to be a blessing to the to this uh, these people. You, you sometimes you don't realize just how really blessed you are, and um, and so um, uh, we made it our determined. When I say we, Joan and I, we made it our determined purpose that we were going to do everything we could just to be a blessing to this grandmother and this girl that was with, and, and so we did that. And um, one of the comments, unsolicited to, uh, uh, from us, obviously, but one of the things that this grandmother mentioned or statement that she made uh, was, you guys are just so full of love, is the way that she described it. And uh, we said, well, you know, the only reason we're full of love is because of Jesus. Because if you'd have known us before Jesus, there wasn't much love. You know what I'm saying? And I remember when we dropped them off uh, that Sunday evening, we were on our way back to school and things of that nature. 
we got just a few blocks down the road, and I just started weeping because I just, I realized, you know, that we are the witnesses of Jesus in this world. You are. If you're a born-again believer, if you're a child of God, then you're to bear witness to his resurrection power in your life. And one of the most powerful things that you can do is to love people. And sometimes that's not always easy. There are some, how many of you know there's some people that's easier to love than others? Am I in the right house? Of course, sure. But I tell you what, praise God, you know, we're going to talk about that uh, in the context of what I want to share with you today, because I've made it my determined purpose. I'm going to do everything I can to prepare you for his coming and to get you grounded and established in the truth. And so as we present the gospel, as we present the word of God, then it becomes each and every one of us's responsibilities to act on. Everybody say act. You've got to be a doer of the word or it's not going to help you. And so we're going to do everything that we can to uh, position you in that kind of way. Because the Bible says that, you know, in the last days, perilous times shall come. I think we're close. Okay. And, you know, I thought 20 years ago was kind of ugly and seems to become more so. It becomes, it, it becomes that much more imperative that you get your head screwed on straight and you walk in the light of the Word of God and listen to what Jesus is telling you because that's the winner's way. You know, it doesn't make any difference how perilous it becomes or how ornery that people get if you'll learn that I'm going to walk in the light of His Word and I'm going to do what it is He's asked me to do, you'll come out on top. Well, thanks for the six of you that think so. The rest of you, we're going to work on that a little bit. We're going to try to convince you as well. So um, <clears throat> we're going to do our very best. Didn't you enjoy uh, Joe McGee? Yeah. Wasn't that great? I mean, he talks way too fast, you know. I mean, he's got some wild stories. Glory to God. I guess a guy out of Tennessee can come up with some of those. Amen. But I want to thank you for, again, your participation in the uh, marriage conference that we had and also on Sunday morning. You guys were so very, very generous to him. Uh, actually, the offering was over $7,000 that we gave to him. That was the love offering. And uh, so I'm very uh, thankful for your generosity uh, to them because, um, you know, he and Angel are, are, are making the difference in the lives of a lot of people. And so we have the privilege of being able to send them uh, to the next place or location or destination. And, uh, and so, again, thank you for being a part of that. Praise God. Well, listen, did you bring a Bible with you? Let's open our Bibles this morning to um, John chapter 13, and then also Luke, uh, chap Luke, no, Ephesians chapter 5. The reason I'm struggling here for a little bit is, is I pulled out my last week's notes called uh, Understanding the Nature of Faith, and I thought to myself, I'm in trouble because these are not the notes that I want to talk about this morning. So thank God I had another set in here, and we're going to be okay. Aren't you glad for that? It could be a little disconcerting, you know. I mean, I, I can probably make it happen, but I just soon have some help. Amen? Praise God. So John chapter 13, and then Ephesians chapter 5. Look with me first of all. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's pray, and let's just prepare our heart to receive. Father, we love you so much today. We thank you for the local church. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Father, because we know the best, the very best. <laughs> Hallelujah. The very best is yet to come, Father. We can't even begin to imagine what it is that you prepared for those that love you. 
And so we thank you, Father God, that we have this hope, this wonderful, blessed hope that is in you. And not only that, Father God, but, you know, godliness, Father, we realize has promised not only uh, in this life, but the life that is to come. And so we know, Father, that there is a grace upon our lives that when we live our lives in a way that's pleasing to you, that, Father, your blessing rests upon us. So we thank you for that this morning. And we thank you for your mercy and your goodness to each and every one of us. We come, Father God, with receptive hearts to receive what it is that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. John chapter 13, Jesus was talking with his disciples. This is where he washed the disciples' feet. And it was a very uh, humbling experience for all of them, I'm sure, that this man did what he did to them. And he made this uh, statement to them, and he said, Do you understand what I have done to you? And picking up in verse 13, he said, You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. But if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Hallelujah. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Now drop down to verse 34 in the same chapter. Notice Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and read a couple of verses of scripture here. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church that was at Ephesus, and beginning in verse 1, he said, Be therefore followers or imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love. Everybody say, walk in love. Yeah, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given us, uh, or uh, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Walk in love. Of course, the word walk is speaking figuratively. It means to pursue a course of action or a, a manner of life. So it's saying that our lives should be reflected by this characteristic called love. Now, of course, you know, like with a lot of things, you know, when you start trying to give definition to words, uh, people have all kinds of definitions about what they think certain things are. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about this and talking about love. Actually, it's going to become a series probably for the most of the month of March, talking about love being the way to victory. How many of you know that, praise God, love is the winner's way? Now, here's the thing about that, you know, in talking about it, first of all, everybody wants to win. How many of you want to win? You don't wake up this morning and you say, you know, no, I don't think so. I just, uh, um, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm into losing. Nobody wants to be a loser. Everybody wants to be a winner. Somewhere you might have to dig down in there to find it, but it's there, huh? Because we were created to win, as it were, and I'll give definition to that as we go along. But when it comes to winning in life, the last thing that most people consider to be the, uh, you know, uh, to have biblical love as the dominating characteristic in your life in order to win. But, you know, the Bible says God is love. And last time I checked, he was a winner. Huh? 
And so the truth of the matter is, is that the love way is the best way. It's the winner's way. It's the way we have or succeed. It's the way we have victory within our lives is when we, as the scripture or the text we use said, walk in love. And so we'll endeavor to unpack that a little bit. Praise God. Because again, most people, they don't think about the love way being the way to win. You know, they say, nah, dude, I'm telling you, we're living in a dog-eat-dog world, and most people's bridges are made out of milk bones, so you just got to get after it as best you can. Did you get that imagery? Think about that for a little bit. But anyway, that's not the truth. Biblical love, uh, God's love, is the way we win. Remember some years ago, it was a lot of years ago, Brian was still in high school playing, f- playing football, and you know, you always, that's, that season of your life is such a fun time to, you know, watch your kids uh, compete and participate in athletics and things. We were at a football game. And I think uh, Brian was probably an upperclassman at that point. And so he, he uh, you know, as they get to be seniors, they get to be, they can get to be pretty good sized. And so we're watching this game, I, you know, Joe and I are sitting there, you know, we're just enjoying the game. And, and, um, and <laughs> Joan says, Oh, look, Brian's helping that guy up on the other team. So when we got home, you know, she, she wanted to commend her son. And so uh, she says, Brian, I, I was so proud of you that you went over there, you know, and helped that guy up after, you know, he'd fall, you know, he got knocked down. He says, what? He says, yeah, you know, when you were, went over there, he says, I didn't go over there to help him up. <laughs> I went over there and told him there's more where that came from and I'll be back. You know, <clears throat> you just got to understand the, 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 the environment, you know, and, you know, in <laughs> the field of competition, athletic competition, you know, I'm not really talking about that. I'm not talking about an athletic field. I'm talking about the game of life. Are you listening to me? And so, uh, you know, um, if you want to win in life, you got to do it God's way. Amen? How many of you believe that? And the love way is the way to do that. Praise God. Now, um, you can say you can talk to Brian about that later. <laughs> Glory to God. Here's what the Bible says. How many of you believe the Bible? If I, mention any, if I read the Bible, we know that the Bible is God speaking to us. Is that not true? You know? And a lot of folks, they don't, they don't believe the, the Bible at all, you know? Some people, they say they do, but they don't either. No, it's the ones, praise God, that give heed to and receive what is said and walk in the light of it. But here's what the Bible says. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3 and 10. It says, for he who would love life and see good days. Stop right there. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to love life and see good days? Huh? Okay, so... Now we're about to learn how to make that happen. Now, it doesn't make any difference how you feel about it. It doesn't really make any difference how you even think about it. I'm telling you, again, if the Bible is God speaking to us, then there's an instruction coming our way right now so that you and I, listen, can see or love life and see good. Everybody say good. Good days. He said this, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the, li- or the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. 
but the face of the Lord is against those who do what? Do evil. You know that benediction, you know, uh, may the Lord keep you. May, you know, his face shine upon you and give you peace. Well, the only way that God's face shines on you is when you're doing life his way. Huh? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can do whatever you want. But I'm just telling you, praise God, that if you're not obeying God, there ain't no face shining going on. Are you with me? But if you are, then praise God, his face is shining upon you. Isn't that good? Now, here's another scripture that we can talk about, especially since we have the young people in the service this morning. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. How many of you know that's a good idea? To obey your parents in the Lord. It goes this way. It says, honor your father and mother. When's the last time, kids, that you ever asked your parents what you could do for them? Wait a minute, don't get into family conversations while I'm preaching, okay? I'm just asking the question. You know, a lot of times we don't really think about those things, but, you know, when's the last time we said, hey, what could I, what could I do for you? You know? It's a good line. Honor your father and mother. Notice what it goes on to say, which is the first commandment with, what's that word? Promise. What is it? Promise. Promise. There's a promise. Now, remember, we said that the Bible is God speaking to us. And this right here says that when, when as whoever we are, when we honor our father and mother, there comes with this a promise. Notice what the promise is. It says that it may be well with you. How many of you want life to be well with you? Huh? And that you might, what? Live long on the earth, that it might be well with you, and that you might live long on the earth. Now, I didn't say this. God said it. And if I was a young person, now, I didn't get saved till I was 19. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know. I grew up in a mainline denominational church, but they never talked to me about this. But if you want to love life, see good days, so that it may be well with you and that you might live long on the earth, then we got to do life the way God wants us to do it. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't challenges to doing that. Because there's all kinds of influences in the world that make every attempt to try to keep you from doing what the Word says. But thank God, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So that empowers or enables you to be able to obey the Word of God. Thank God we're not trying to do this in our own strength. We're doing it in His. Everybody say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you can do it if you want to. It's just a decision. It's a choice. And I don't know about you, but I like living long on the earth. I like seeing good days. Glory to God. I like it being well with me. Huh? And I know you do too. You know, there ain't no use living your life on this earth, hell on earth. People in this life, they have hell on earth. Huh? And especially where these kids are concerned, you know, and things like that, when it says to honor your parents, there's a lot of kids that aren't honoring their parents. They're dishonoring them. They're disrespectful to them. They, I mean, there's times, and I've been in situations where kids have talked to their parents, and I tell you what, dude, if I had a club, I'd have beat them. No, I probably wouldn't have done that. You know, you don't always say what you think, do you? 
It's just what I was thinking. I didn't do it. Although it would be kind of fun. (laughs) You know, when Paul was writing, and here's the thing that kids have to understand. You know, it's like they think that it's their parents' responsibilities for them to behave. It's not. It's your responsibility to behave. You have to take the initiative. Nobody's going to do this for you, dude. You're either going to get a grip on what it is that the Word of God says, and you've got to say to yourself, you know, as you get older, as you get into your teens and things of that nature, you need to learn what the Bible is saying, and you need to apply it to your life. You know, nobody's going to do this for you. Nobody owes you a living. No, no one's going to give you success, but you can have success if you'll do it God's way. So when it says, you know, children, obey your parents in the Lord, it's right. And with it comes this promise so that it'll be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. Let me give you the antithesis of that. And that is in this scripture here in 2 Timothy 3, know this also that in the last days perilous times will come. I mentioned to you that we might be finding ourselves in that. Here's what it describes. For men shall be lovers of of themselves. How many of you have a selfie stick? Throw it away. Okay. For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Now listen, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And then it goes on to describe some other things. And um, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof from such uh, turn away. So this is a real deal, wouldn't you say? You know, if you want to win and I want to win, and I I suspect you do too, then praise God, it's going to be imperative upon each of us to take our own responsibilities to do, everybody say do, what it is that God has asked us to to do. Because so much of the time in relationships, it's always, well, if they would just this, or if they would change that, or whatever, it's not about them. It's about you. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, it's, it's about you, what you're doing, you know. Well, my life would be so much easier if they would. That's true. But that does not negate your personal responsibility and obligation to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, i got enough problems on my own hand. I don't need to try to figure her out. Are you listening to me? I just keep me straight and I'll be doing good. <clears throat> How many of you are still glad you came? Glory to God. And here's my point to saying all of that. This is what you have to understand. You set the course. Not somebody else. No, I wasn't raised right, and I didn't get this, and they didn't do that, and whatever. No, you. you it, it may be true that life was not kind, and, and things were not fair and all of that, but you're going to decide, not anybody else. Well, it's the government's fault. <laughs> yeah, right, whatever, you know. <clears throat> you're going to decide. You set the course for the direction and the ultimate destiny for your life. That decision is yours. And it does not make any, all you got to do is say, you know what? I'm going to have life and life more abundant. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus because praise God, 
His way is the winner's way, and I want to win. <coughs> so, so you have to, you know, and here's the thing, you know, well, if someone would just help me, well, I think that there are people that would come alongside you and support you and, and, and help you and things of that nature. That's why kids have parents, you know, to guide them, direct them, put some, put some, put some guardrails here, you know, and say, okay, get on with life and start learning how to live your, your own life and be responsible for yourself. Pick up your room. Parents, can I get a witness? Some of you don't care. Okay, yeah, well, whatever. If you can find anything in that biohazard when you go in there, great. Praise God. So we set the course. Nobody else does it. The decision is ours. Look at this verse of Scripture with me in Deuteronomy 30, 15. Uh, God is speaking. He says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, statutes, and judgments, with, uh, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord uh, your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Now let's go to uh, uh, verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you, listen, that I have set before you, what is it? Life and death. What's the next two? Blessing and cursing. Therefore, what's that word? Choose. Say it again. Choose. Say it again. Choose. Choose life so that you and your seed may live. Did you know that this is your choice? It's my choice. When I gave my heart to Jesus and he began to work in my life, he started to come alongside me and say, you can't do that anymore because it's not godly. You can't do that anymore because that will damage or it will be detrimental to you. So I had to start changing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My mama, God bless her, praise God. She wasn't going to be the one that made me change. My dad, he was gone already, you know. He wasn't going to make me change. No, the truth of the matter is, is that these are individual responsibilities that each of us have, praise God. And after all, we all want to win in life, right? Yeah. So we got to do some of our own. We have to become responsible for ourselves. And the culture that you're living in right now is diametrically opposed to that idea. We'll take care of you. We'll do this. You won't have to do that. We'll give you handouts. We will, we'll, we will uh, forgive all your debts. Well, who's going to pay for the debt? Are you listening to me? You know, what we need to do is we need to realize that when you go in there and you sign your name to a contract and you say, I'm going to borrow this money, it is with the understanding that you are going to pay it back. Now, what's unfortunate is, is, you know, these uh, kids and parents, for that matter, they've been, you know, coerced and talked into the idea, oh, just go ahead, borrow the money, it's cheap, and, you know, at the end, you'll be able to pay it all back because you're going to make a lot of money. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen to everybody. And now they're sitting on this pile of debt. Mine the right house? And now what are we going to do? You know, some places, I mean, it's $45,000 a year to go to school. I do the math in nine months, that's five grand a month. Bam, 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 bam. And you know, the universities and the colleges, man, they, they're making merchandise out of our kids. 
Now, they ain't going to like that. But I'm telling you what, you guys, I mean, we need to get some smarts here. Are you with me? And I'm not saying you shouldn't go to college or anything of that nature at all. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying that, you know, when I've had people call me as a pastor looking for people, kids, in my church because they're delinquent on their payment of uh, their student loans. And they're in the wind. I don't know where they're at, but they're looking for them. Are you with me? Now, I haven't had that happen here for a long time, but originally that uh, I had quite a bit of that going on. Are you with me? Woo! Such a great service we're having today. Well, you know what? Hopefully, what I'm sharing with you will save you a lot of agony and a lot of suffering and a lot of problems. Are you with me? Let's be wise about what it is that we're doing. Are you with me? You know, and, um, you know, for whatever it's worth. Now, praise God. Moving right along. So God's got this plan for your life. He says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, give you a future. That's God's plan. But you, you know, but, but you decide whether that plan is going to be what you experience by your obedience to him in doing what it is that he's asked you. You know, here's the thing, you guys. If you was like me, I was ignorant of God's plan. Like I said, I didn't get saved till I was 19. So when I'm a teenager and I'm growing up, I don't have a clue. All right? My parents aren't talking to me about, you know, living for God, serving God, obeying God, and doing what's right. They're just doing life like everybody else does. And so I was totally ignorant of these things, and it cost me. Well, now we're sitting in this service here this morning, and praise God, we're not without knowledge. We're learning some things about what it is that we can do, choices that we can make, things that we can put into motion so that in the end, God can bless your life. I mean glory. He can be such a blessing to you in so many ways when we obey him. And, and again, understand, you know, there's circumstances, there's influences, there's all of these things that, 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 that come into our lives, you know, um, to, to uh, thwart God's plan and purpose for our lives. You know, as you're growing up, I mean, you know, you're growing up in school and you got a bully or somebody like that, you know, is trying to ruin your day or whatever the case might be. Let me tell you about this bullying thing. Uh, you got to have to learn to quit being a snowflake. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you my experience. Here I am. I'm a big kid. I mean, growing up, I'm a big kid. But there was this little guy named Jack Forster. He's a little sawed-off outfit, and he was real cocky because he had an older brother, and this brother would always stick up for him, you know. So he's strutting his stuff, you know, and he's backing everybody down. He's talking his junk, you know, and, and he's doing it to everybody. He's doing it to me. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, dude, I mean, you know, you're twice as big as him. What are you doing? But, you know, I didn't have it. Somehow or another, you know, I just backed off and backed off and backed off. Well, one day, I don't know what he said. I don't remember what he said. But something went off. And before I knew it, I had a hold of this kid. I had him up off the ground and up against some kind of wall. I said something, probably it wasn't real godly. Okay? But you know what? Jack Forster never bothered me again. 
You say, is that what I'm supposed to do? I'm just saying, praise God, you need to stand up for yourself. Are you listening to me? Because there's so much stuff, dude. I mean, you know, people are always going to be talking their junk, you know, and, and, and things of that nature. And I mean, you just, uh, it's the world in which we live. You got to get thicker skinned. Does that make sense to you? And that doesn't mean you got to pick a fight like maybe what I did or whatever the case might be. But I'm just saying, praise God, that you have to stand up for yourself. At least know who you are and not trouble yourself about whatever it is that's going on with them. Does that make sense to you? Hopefully that's helpful. If not, parents, you can, you can explain that whole thing to them later. How about that? Praise God. There's always going to be these things that come up in our lives. You know, you can, if you want to, you can park by your failings. You can park by, you know, the things that didn't go right in your life. But think about Joseph and think about Caleb. Joseph was a young guy, had a dream from God. There's dreams and there's visions, there's plan that God has for you. But I tell you what, that plan looked like it was going down the tube. His, his own blood, his brothers, sold, well, they threw him in a hole, a pit first. They said, well, let's not kill him. Let's at least get some money out of him. And they sold him. That ain't love. I don't know if you checked it out lately, but, you know, that just doesn't, that's not real loving. But you know, God had a plan, and here's the important thing, is even though these things happened to Joseph, he kept his eye on the dream. Before it was over with, his parents and all those brothers were bowing down before him, just like the dream said. And it wasn't for, you know, Joseph's sake that all of these things happened, but what I'm saying is God had a plan for his life, but there were some really ugly things that happened to this young man, but I tell you what, he came out on top. I said he came out on top. You know, when the 12 spies were sent into Israel to spy it all out, you know, the Bible says that they, uh, 10 of them came back with an evil report, and it caused the heart of the people to melt. And the only two was Joshua and Caleb that said, let's go up at once, we're, we're well able, let's get after it. And what ended up happening is, is that they, they never made it into the promised land at that point because of the people's unbelief. And they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And finally, when everybody was dead, Caleb said, hey, I'm 80 years old now. And when I went the last time, I brought them word as was in my heart. Praise God, give me that mountain. So here's a man who suffered at the unbelief of other people for 40 years. But I tell you what, God made good on his promise. Are you listening to me? So yeah, there's stuff that goes on in your life. But you know what? Praise God, there is a God in heaven and the inspiration of the Almighty that will give you wisdom to be able to navigate through those things and be able to come out on top. Praise God, victorious. Can I get a witness? Amen. But it's important, praise God, that we keep, you know, <clears throat> I mean, we have promising lives. God is filled with promise that he's given to us, and yet in those promises, there can be things that come to disrupt it. Are you listening to me? And so it becomes important for us, praise God, to keep our eyes on his plan. Glory to God. And here's the thing, you know, maybe, you know, you've gone down the road of life and you made some mistakes. Anybody made any mistakes? Did you know that God can redeem your life from all that mess? And he can turn things around, glory to God, and he can bring blessing in your life because you choose to be a follower of him, glory to God. 
and you make the corrections that you need. And a lot of times, you know, people, they, there's this resignation. Um, oh, God, please help people that feel like that they can do no good for themselves and it's no use because that's not true. I said it's not true. You know, a couple of years ago, um, we had, uh, well, we have uh, some apartments. And, um, and two years ago, we had a lot of snow like we have now. And uh, we had the same kind of deal where all of a sudden we got all this snow and then all of a sudden uh, it gets really warm really fast, okay? And all this stuff starts melting. Well, we didn't think anything about it because we never had the experience before. But all of a sudden, one of the tenants calls up and says, hey, uh, I got water in my, uh, my apartment. And uh, my son, Pastor Brian, and I uh, own these things together. So we're doing one of these. We're going to get down there. We're going to see what. And sure enough, man, there's about three inches of water in one of the bedrooms. It's not intended to be a swimming pool. Okay. So we go outside, and sure enough, the snow had built a dam, but it was still melting very profusely. So the water didn't have any place to go, so it just went this way, and then it went in, okay? And filled it and messed it up. So, you know, I guess what we could have done is we could have just, you know, thrown up our hands and said, ah, what's the use? But we didn't do that. No, we called somebody and started pumping water out of it and got, you know, the, the carpets and the mat and the, and the pad and everything and picked it all up and threw it out the door and started all over again. Guess what? Your life can be the, I mean, maybe you've experienced a flood, but I'm telling you what, let's clean this place up and let's put some new carpet down and let's start living life again. Now this year, boys and girls, my son and I, actually at my admonition, I said, Bubba, Bubba, we're going down there. We're going to blow all the snow away from everything so water can go wherever it wants except in the house. And guess what? It worked. So my whole reason to share that illustration with you is just simply, you know, uh, you know tell you that you have to rid yourself of a victim's mentality. You're not a victim. You're a victor. And, and you hear it, it's preached in our culture all the time. Oh, you got it so bad, they've done you wrong, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's from hell. It's a doctrine of devils. And it will destroy you and it will make you a slave. Are you listening to me? And so the sooner that we learn this, the better off. You know, I mean, if you want to, you can just throw in the towel and you say, well, I just give up. There's no use. We are not quitters, and we are not going to quit, and we're not going to give up, and we're going to see the will of God manifested in each and every one of our lives in the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me? But you know, again, you got you to get after it. You know, I mean, when the guy called and said, hey, my, my apartment's full of water, I guess we could have said, well, you're on your own. All the best. Well, guess what? They wouldn't have been living there very long, would they? Huh? So there's things that we have to do, I think, is uh, the most important for, uh, thing for you to understand. We're not victims. Glory to God. <clears throat> Peter was writing. He made this statement. You can write it down. 1 Peter 3 and 13. It says, wherefore or therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, let's think about the context in which he makes this statement. If you read in that first chapter, and we won't have time to go through all of this, but he said, you know, that God has blessed us, praise God, 
and given us, begotten us again unto a lively hope through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, to promises that have been made to us and wonderful in grace. And, and as he goes on in this, he says, wherein we greatly rejoice. Aren't you glad you're saved? Huh? Aren't you glad he's made some promises to you? It's pretty cool. Hallelujah. I mean, it's wonderful to live a life where God has given promise to you about his plans for you and what it is that he wants to do. It says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness because of manifold different various kinds of trials. And it talks about your faith being put on trial. Maybe we better go look at that. Would you look, turn real quickly to 1 Peter chapter 3? Hallelujah. Yeah, you're going to go through some stuff, but praise God, greater is he that's in you. Hallelujah. Notice what it says here in uh, verse 3. Uh, this is 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living or lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Woo! Come on now. There's something coming your way and you don't even know it. You ought, I mean, you had a great chance right there to get happy and missed it. What did he say? I said, praise God, there's stuff coming your way that you can't even begin to imagine. Now notice what it goes on to say then. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice. So now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, test trials, stuff, that the trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, glory to God will be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Well, what are we trying to say here, Pastor? I'll tell you what we're saying. It's worth the fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. I'm telling you what, it's worth the fight. We get up there, you know, and face Hall of Fame, and we're all standing in, you know, sitting in the grandstands, and people are being paraded by, and they'll say, oh, man, I'm telling you what, they did some, they, they dealt with some stuff, and they endured this and that. Look at that crown, man. They got two guys walking alongside him just to hold the thing up. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Everybody say it. It's worth the fight. I tell you, it's worth the fight for your marriage. It's worth the fight for your kids. It's worth the fight for whatever it is that you're doing in life that belongs to God. It's worth it. Glory to God. And thank God for husbands and wives. I mean, you get to do life together. Glory to God. The Bible says a strand of three cords is not easily broken. You, her, him, and God. That is a majority especially if you're living for him, glory to God. So gird up the loins of your mind is what he went on then to say in that context and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Another translation says, with minds that are alert and clear, fully sober. You know, drunk person, they're not real clear. No. So he said alert and fully sober. Another translation says, preparing your minds. So when it says gird, it, it means to prepare your thought life, you know, 
<clears throat> when Paul was writing, he said, finally, brother, one more thing I want to talk to you about is I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and I want you to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. And he goes in and describes all these, the armament that we're to have. So he says here, he says, gird up the loins of your mind or prepare, we could say, your minds for action and be sober-minded. Another translation, Moffat's translation says, brace up your minds. So there's no room for snowflakes. You say, what is a snowflake? Well, have you ever seen a snowflake in the sun? It doesn't last very long, okay? Well, we're not snowflakes. Thank God. Are you listening to me? You can make your way. Glory to God. You have everything you need. Hallelujah. So let's go on. Y'all doing all right? Go back with me, if you would, here, and let's notice again what Jesus said in John 13 and verse uh, 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love one to another. I, I've kind of emphasized this quite a bit, I guess, in the service, but I think it's important. You know, to, to, to function in biblical love does not mean you're weak. Did you hear me? Some of the most, as a matter of fact, actually, nothing could be further from the truth. People that walk in love are some of the most powerful and strong people I know because they're putting up with whatever it is that's wrong. Are you listening to me? So love, biblical love, by definition, does not mean weak at all in any way, shape, or form. It's just the opposite. And, and that's the thing, you know, we, <clears throat> somehow or another in our minds, we associate love with weakness. People that walk in biblical love, they're anything but weak. Are you listening to me? So, so when we talk about loving one another, you know, and different things like that, I'm not suggesting that when we love as God would have us to love, that we let people use us for a rug. Are you with me? Now, you know, if they want to mistreat you, that's on them, but we don't have to keep allowing you, you with me. And I'll explain to that maybe a little bit more as we go on. But see, here's the thing. God is love. Jesus walked in love and these two, as last time I checked, they were anything but weak. Are you with me? So we can do the same thing. And so what we need to do is look at the characteristics of love. Because, see, the Bible says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these. King James uses the word charity. You know, it's not really a good translation of the word. It's actually agape, which means the God kind of love. You know, when you think of charity, charity, you know, is, is a benevolent uh, goodwill, you know, toward somebody or, or love for humanity. Charity, you know, with me. But when you start talking about biblical love, then it becomes a whole other thing. So what I want to do is I want to, um, if you have an Amplified Bible, you can do this. Otherwise, you'll just have to, well, they'll probably have it up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. And what we're going to do here is just, you know, talk about the characteristics of love. And, and, and if you haven't, I would recommend that these four, four, five, six, seven, eight verses, that if you, need, if you would, put them on a postcard, write them out, praise God, and, and read them regularly. 
This would be really good for couples as an exercise. You know, read them out loud to one another. That'd be fun. Well, I haven't talked to her for three days. Good time to start. <laughs> Just a thought. So, Paul gives us this biblical description of love, beginning in verse 4. It says that love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious or boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way for or because it is not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful, takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and when truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Everybody say, love never fails. No, it never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. And then it goes on to say some things, you know, uh, with regard to what's going to cease. But love will not. Now, notice with me, if you would, in these verses, it says love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best in every person. I'd like to qualify that. You know, <clears throat> my first initial uh, acquaintance or interaction with someone, I have no uh, ability to form any kind of an opinion about that person. So I'm going to believe the best in them, right? But let's say that we go down the road a ways and we begin to discover that there's certain qualities or characteristics about this uh, person that is less than righteous. Well, all of a sudden, uh, I begin to think about, okay, uh, because the thing about this is, is God hasn't called us to be judgmental, but he has called us to judge righteously. And there's a difference. Are you with me? So, so when I get somebody in my life and all of a sudden I start to see where they're going to try to begin manipulating me, they're going to start maybe trying to exploit me, they're going to take advantage of me, they're going to say whatever it is they think they're going to say in order to get something from me, guess what? That relationship is over. Huh? Sure is quiet in here. Amen. You know, over the years, I mean, when we first got started in ministry, I mean, you know, we read this scripture, oh, you just believe the best in everybody. And I mean, dude, we got taken to the cleaners. We got taken advantage of. You know, I remember this one guy, he was in our parking lot, and he was with this woman. And, dude, they cleaned our clock, you know. And afterwards, I had to repent because I was mad. You ever get mad before? No, I know. None of you do. But anyway, I did. You know, transparency confession time Tom yeah so anyway I realized you know what not everybody is well-meaning huh are you with me now why am I sharing this with you because the reality is is that we are to love people but we don't have to let them take advantage of us are you listening to me does that confuse you at all huh 
You know, I mean, obviously there will be those times when this happens and we just have to leave it to, you know, with God. But, but notice this scripture. Turn to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 10 real quick with me. Notice that something that Jesus said, and I, I just, uh, because I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you a definition of what biblical love is and not maybe what we think it is, okay? Notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. He's talking to his disciples and he's, he's sending them forth. And in verse 16, he says, now listen, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Have you ever watched one of those National Geographic things? Huh? Not pretty. That's a great way to put it. But, but, but notice the imagery or the description. That Je- he says, behold, I'm sending you like sheep, what? Into the midst of what? Wolves. The world is an ugly place. So what did he tell them to do then? Notice the instruction. He says, be therefore wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Huh? Wise as serpents. In other words, don't stick your foot in the trap. Huh? Keep it out. Yeah. Glory to God. You know, we get phone calls, for example, you know, and, um, you know, people are wanting us to get involved in this and get involved with that and get involved in the other thing. And there are a lot of causes, good causes, you know, different things, you know. Some of them, we just, you know, it's not, it's not within our, uh, you know, the scope of what it is that we're wanting to do and things like that. But a lot of times, you know, they'll put all kinds of pressure on you, you know, trying to get you to do this and that and the other. And what I really don't like is I don't like being used. I don't like being taken advantage of. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I don't have to get angry about it. I'm just not in. Are you with me? And then they'll tell me I'm unchristian or I'm this or I'm that or, you know, whatever. I mean, they, they come up with all kinds of stuff. It's manipulation. So I'm just saying that you can still love people, but you don't have to fall into the traps, you know, that so often end up, you know, surfacing in the circumstances like this. And so you got to be wise, shrewd, you know, about what's going on, and yet harmless as doves. I mean, I have no ill will or anything like that. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to be involved. Does that make sense to you? You got you to gotta have the right kind of spirit in all of this. So, you know, so the Bible says that love is patient and kind. Huh? Yeah. It endures long and is patient and kind. Well, some people, they endure long, but they're not really patient or very kind while they're at it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, so we have to, you know, grow up on that. It says that it bears up under anything and everything that comes. A lot of times people, you know, they say, well, I can't do it. Well, you know, the love of God says you can. I said the love of God says you can. The Bible says that love, God's love in us, doesn't insist on its own right or way because it's not self-seeking. That's something for all of us to work on. Huh? In other words, preferring the other person. You know, my wife and I, we've had a love war for 43 years, trying to outdo each other. <laughs> Glory to God. And it's fun. Don't laugh at me. I'm telling you the truth. You know, when we have supper, she always gets the best. Like last night, I cooked these two steaks. You could have, I mean, if you needed a saddle, these steaks would have worked out really good. 
tougher than all get out. And I says, baby, I don't even know what to tell you. We had these stakes, and so I said, here, you take this part, because that's the only thing that I can see on these things. It's just not, <laughs> you know. But I always give my wife the best part. Men, do you give your wife the best part? We have a T-bone steak or a porterhouse. She gets the filet. I get the New York strip. Why? Because that filet, baby, is where it's at. Are you listening to me? You're, you're not that enthused about this whole idea. But you know, praise God, we ought to we prefer the people around us as much as we can. You know, one of my ambitions when we first got started in ministry is I wanted my wife in a new car. Now, you can't, you know, sometimes it, it, it's not, you're not, the economics of where it is or whatever it is that you're doing is not, uh, that's not possible, at least right not, not right now. But as soon as I could, I got my wife in a new car. And I drove a whatever else. It was a decent whatever else, you know, praise God. But I never had a new car till I was 55. Now I have a new car every time. Praise the Lord. But my ambition was, I don't want my wife sitting out there on a road someplace, and this thing's going, (coughs) 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 well, good luck, baby. There's weirdos out there. I don't like my wife out with weirdos. Are you listening to me? So guys, if you need to step it up, step it up. And, and if it's not a new car, make sure that baby's running and, I mean, humming like a sewing machine. Are you with me? Boy, this is going over good. <laughs> Honey, start the car. I think we're done. <sighs> Prefer them. <laughs> I can't really tell by the countenance of your faces what you're thinking. There's smirks. There's, you know, there's everything out here right now. So I guess... Just keep going and do the best you can. Hallelujah. Amen? Let's not insist on our own rights, and especially in this world. I mean, people are so selfish. My Lord Jesus. I mean, it's all about them, and it's a mess. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't succumb to that kind of thinking and behavior because, well, it'll destroy you. Your life will be sad and a mess. Are you listening to me? Now, we all decided on the front end of my message here, you all wanted to win, right? Okay, well, here's a good place to start. Glory to God. And you know, the thing of it is, is um, when, when we talk about this, you know, um, and walking in love, everyone has had, uh, we've had all kinds of circumstances go on in our lives. And you may be sitting there and saying, well, pastor, how in the world do I apply what you're saying to my circumstance? And I think you have to understand, you know, that one size doesn't fit all. Everybody's got different things going on in their lives, huh? And, and we're not called to judge people. The Bible says we're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so maybe people have had failings in their lives and different things like that, you know. But I tell you what, we're called to, you know, come alongside and pray for them. I prayed for our president and his wife just yesterday. Spent a long time praying for him. You know, because I got to thinking about what's going on, what's being said. I'm thinking about her and all of these different kinds of things. And you say, yeah, but they're not this, they're not that. Forget about that. They're human beings. And I tell you what, dude, they're going through hell. And if they haven't, they're going to. You understand where I'm I'm coming from? So they need our prayers, that God would open up the eyes of their understanding. You know, are you with me? Well, anyway, 
So, so everybody's situation is different. We're just called, praise God, to, like I said, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Years ago, uh, when we first got started in ministry, <clears throat> um, we're learning basically just, you know, like everybody else. And we had this during that time, now I'm talking about probably 40 years ago, there was a ministry uh, that had become excessive in its, in its doctrine and things like that, that, you know, if somebody had a divorce, the, the other spouse could believe for that person to come back home, even to the extent if that person that left got married, you could still believe for him to come back home. Well, you know, in the scriptures, the Bible says that if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But for whatever reason, I didn't get that out of this deal. But I had a neighbor. And her husband left her with two children to raise by herself. The guy's a stinking loser, okay? Because here he brings these kids in, but, you know, he's all about himself, his music, and whatever else, free spirit, kind of whatever, and he bails on her. She's in that trailer house, and she's trying to believe God for this loser to come back home. And, he's, and this person's a neighbor to Joan and I. And, you know, I'm looking across the field there, and I'm looking at what's going on there, and we would go over, we would help them, we would, you know, do things for them and support them, prop them up. Finally, I got mad. You say, do preachers do that? Absolutely. And I went over there, and I said, that's enough of this nonsense. I said, I want you to get on with your life, you know, pastoral care, you know, get on with your life. And go find somebody that will love you and take care of these kids because he ain't coming back, you know. And he didn't, you know. And thank God she found somebody. Are you listening to me? You know, and it's unfortunate. I'm just talking to you about the fact that one size doesn't fit all. Everybody's got their own circumstances that they're dealing with. And I don't know, you know, I mean, sometimes, I mean, you know, as a pastor, I hear what's going on, and this person's doing this, and you go, well, how in the world is that square, you know, and this and that. You know, sometimes I just decided some of this stuff just isn't mine to have to deal with. It's theirs. Does that make sense to you? You know, uh, another example that I have here in my thing, you know, when, when we, this is years gone by, I don't want to expose anybody or anything like that, years ago, there's been several occasions where we've sat down and we've talked with couples. When I say we, sometimes my wife and I were together. And we've told the girl, we said, don't marry this guy. Well, I love him. And he loves me. I said, no, he doesn't. You know, when they say love is blind, sometimes that's really true. And we said, no, you don't want to do this because this, this, this. He's not responsible. He won't take care of you. There's going to be problems. Please don't do this. Well, they did it anyway. Well, sometimes, you know, they, they, the announcements are out and we're going to get married and all this and that and the other. You know, we can't pull a plug now. It's too late. It's never too late if it's wrong. You know, on another one, sure enough. And the same thing, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not standing up here saying that I'm some kind of prophetic whatever, but listen, young people, when it comes to you dating or, or developing relationships with people, what kind of character, not what your ooey-gooey, feely-I-love kind of thing is going on, but what are they, what are they not like, what, what makes them tick, who are they, you know? 
Are they responsible? Do they keep their word? Do they try to take advantage of you for that matter? Dude, if they do, you don't want, oh, I love you, you know, you know, we should, we should do this because after all, I love you. If you love me, you wait. You don't get that until this. Does that make sense? Don't need an interpretation for that, do you? Huh? Because love, biblical love says that it doesn't insist on its own rights and its own ways because it's not self-seeking. Huh? So young boys, young girls. I mean, even like, you know, these days, it used to be the boys were always chasing the girls. Now it's the other way around. You know, it's like anything goes. So guys, run! <laughs> Here's the thing. You say, yeah, but there aren't a lot of people that believe God. There's not a lot of people that love God. There's not a lot of whatever, whatever, whatever. And that might be true, but I'm telling you what, praise God, God can send you just that person if you're willing to uh, wait for them. Are you with me? Kind of all over the place here. Praise God. So, if your pastor says, don't marry that guy, don't marry that guy, okay? Okay, great, that went over great, okay. Well, unfortunately, the report that I have to give to you in the two cases I'm thinking about, uh, it didn't go very well, you know. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, inclined to say, well, I told you so, but it, we didn't do that. We just loved them back into, you know, getting their life restored and moving on. Because we all make mistakes. We're all human. Are you with me? I remember another incident, and I'll close with this one, but this guy... Um, he was a piece of work. Do you understand that? He was um, probably one, well, I don't know. Everybody has their own opinion, but he was a narcissist to the max. You say, well, what's that mean? It's all about him. It's not about anybody else, me. I'm it. I'm Mr. Wonderful. Well, the truth of the matter was, he wasn't Mr. Wonderful. And so, you know, I talk about enduring. I mean, this, this woman, bless her heart, man, she endured. And finally, it just came to a place where she says, I'm done. I've been doing this for, I think this situation was 23 years. And, uh, but um, she said, uh, I'm young, and I'm just not going to live my life this way anymore. Now, you can throw rocks at her if you want to, but we don't know what she was dealing with. Huh? You say, yeah, but God, you know, hates divorce. Yes, he does. But he loves divorced people. Huh? Are you with me? So it's a two-way street when it comes to this whole loving thing. You know, sometimes, you know, Ladies will take advantage of men. Sometimes men take advantage of ladies. You know, that's why I come back to this final thing is, you know, if, if you want to win, then you have to take responsibility for you and start living your life before him the way that he would have you to. I can't fix her. I've been working on it for 43 years. Huh? And she sure enough can't fix me. Are you with me? But I can work on me. She can work on her. And you know what? It works out pretty good. How many of you believe that? Praise God.
Why don't you stand with me, if you would, please? Love finds its expression in giving. So if there's any way to describe what love does, it, it seeks the best for others. Let's let that be the ambition that we have within our lives. Amen? Jesus, the Bible says, came to this earthbound existence, and the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We're coming to a table we call communion. It was, or some people have even referred to it as a love feast. Because what it does is it reminds us of what Jesus was willing to do so that you and I could be here today as a community and as a family. He was willing to lay down his life so that we could be here today. So let's just bow our heads this morning. Praise God. Father, we love you today. Grateful for your blessing, Father, in everything that you do to bring us to this present hour to help us to live our lives acceptably to you. Yes, Father, we want your best. So I ask you to help each and every one of us, Father, to let, the, let love be that word that's in our lives that dominates and controls what we do with those around us. Father, help us to seek the welfare and the best of others. God, help us to think about what it is we can do to be a blessing to those that are around us. God, help us to see that so many times the anger and frustration of people is because of something a lot larger and much more deeply rooted within their lives. So, Father, I thank you for your blessing in our house, amongst the church, amongst its people. Father, may we shine brightly as you would have us to in this world in which we live. And I thank you, Father God, for drawing men and women drawing young boys and girls, drawing children, Father, into your family, because we love. While every head's bowed, please, I close. No one looking around. If you happen to be here this morning, some of the things that we shared here maybe have been a, well, maybe they brought a conviction within your own heart about, you know, things that you have done or haven't done. Well, you know what? Praise God, today can be a brand new start for you. The Bible says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one's looking around. But do you find in your own heart that there's, a, there's an adjustment, a correction, there's something that needs to be changed that you need to repent of while your eyes are closed and heads bowed? Would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at? We're not here to embarrass you, but we want to help you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Thank you. Glory to God. Anybody else? Let's just care for this right now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your love toward me. I ask you this morning, Father, forgive me for what it is I've done wrong. I ask you, Father God, to help me be the person you would have me to be. And I thank you for your blessing in my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated.